many things the pandemic has taken from us is the human touch. And I mean that not just in the obvious literal sense. We've lost it with sports as well. We've lost it with the athletes that we like to follow and like to get to know. I'm here to share with you today, a couple days before Christmas, some stuff about this particular hockey team that you follow. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. A couple months ago, I was stepping out of my uh, favorite coffee shop downtown, and a young man walking by with a healthy stride and a rather unhealthy-looking dog. <laughs> no offense to Zach Gaston Reese, but that's an unusual-looking canine that he's got there. And just stopped, maintained, you know, the usual safe, healthy distance. It hadn't seen him in so long, like face-to-face, you know, because of the pandemic and spoke with him for a while, you know, mostly just whatever life stuff, was reminded this is a really uh, funny, engaging, smart individual, the same one that I remembered before all of our communications were reduced to this awful WebEx mechanism that the Penguins use. Everybody else at least uses Zoom. WebEx is like the worst thing in the world, and I'm totally killing our chances of ever having WebEx as a sponsor. But don't ever use it. I don't know how the Penguins got stuck with this. Because in addition to losing that human touch, it's just you lose contact with them every three seconds. So here was Zach Aston Reese, and he was real again. A month later... We're having a get-together for our subscribers of DK Pittsburgh Sports on the North Shore, and Teddy Bluger walks by, all right? So like, make eye contact. I'm like, what's up, Teddy? He's like, hey! And I'm, this is happening now a second time in just a handful of days. Teddy, what's going on? This was the day after, by the way, that he'd signed his contract extension. So congratulations, we're in order, and nice casual conversation ensued and I'm reminded yet again you know i used to like talking to teddy bluger it's not just about the star players although you know i also missed being around sid and gino and tanger and everybody else here not that we're buds not that we're hanging out or whatever else here but just when you're engaged in professional interactions just like you at your job, it's that much nicer when you're around people who are interesting, uh, who add to your life, who are uh, not subtractors, you know? And the Penguins have a bunch of those. And it's been fun getting to know them again, or in some cases, uh, getting to know them really for the first time. Had a good one-on-one talk with Kasperi Kapanen in the preseason when things were looking really promising for him. And reminded him of some 
interactions that we'd had way back when he was drafted, development camp, and it, it struck a chord with him. He remembered. I mean, he was a kid. He was going to get impressed by anything he saw at the NHL level. Had a similar experience with Jeff Carter, who might as well have just shown up from Pluto. You know, the way he parachuted in at the end of the season, no contact, no nothing other than that awful WebEx, and Jeff Carter, turns out, is a real person. And it's a really, really good group. When I see them off the ice, when I see how they interact, when I see how they uh, hang with each other, when I see those silly soccer games that they play uh, in road arenas, whooping it up and all that other stuff, it's the kind of collective that if they'd have the speed, the skill, and, you know, all of the other really important stuff when it comes to winning hockey games, that you could see them coming together and contending. Contending. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how one dollar can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. A couple days ago in Cranberry, the Penguins had their last practice before the revised holiday break, and they had just a ton of fun out on the rink. In fact, there wasn't anything remotely formal that went on there that day. Uh, it was nothing other than just let's have a good time and let's uh, let's enjoy each other and whatever else and you know we'll see everyone again in Boston. If you think about it, if Mike Sullivan was what some people think he is, you know, in some kind of really hard nosed disciplinarian or whatever else here, he could have thought to himself, you know what, I'm not going to have these guys on a sheet of ice again until a few hours before face-off against the Bruins on the road. I need to skate the living daylights out of these guys. I need to let them show how much respect they have for me as the big boss because my ego is insecure or whatever. He's not anything of the, He's not anything like that. He's not that guy. He's definitely not insecure. And neither is the leadership of this group. Neither are Sid, Gino, Tanger, Brian Dumoulin, Brian Rust, the guys like that that you would expect to be the ones who would uh, show egos if they had them, or fragile egos. They don't have that. They just had fun. Listen to Brian Boyle, speaking of team leaders, uh, and what he said after that practice. It's still fun, right? It's still uh, competitive, right? You saw the the different end results and the different games that we played, we split up into different teams and, you know, we like to compete and no one really wants to lose. So um, things like that are a lot of fun. They're, uh, it's a great way to kind of get something out of the day when it's been such a kind of crazy schedule change and things are different. Um, we got some work in and made it a productive day. But, again, hockey's always fun. It's supposed to be fun. So we went out there and today was a... Uh, a little more fun than most practices are. That was it. That was it. It was, it was, 
a practice with no purpose other than to have everyone leave the rink feeling good. And I am here to tell you if there is one thread that has been continuous throughout the Penguins' surprisingly, stunningly strong start under the circumstances that they've faced, it's that. It's that they've had fun. No, I'm not getting hokey on you here. There's a hockey thing to this, not just hokey. Get it? Hockey, hokey? Hey, listen, you don't pay for this podcast. It's free, all right? The system that Sullivan is adamant that this team needs to uh, deploy on a nightly basis is hard. That was the word Sid used with me when I brought it up in Montreal several weeks ago. He said it's hard to play this way. And he didn't say it with any kind of uh, insult or backhanded this or that. He was acknowledging the obvious. I asked Sullivan way back, some of you will recall this, on opening night in Tampa, after that amazing performance against the two-time defending champs, if his team could reasonably be expected to do this night after night after night. And he acknowledged that it would be, here's that term again, hard. But he also felt as if this group had embraced this style of play. A couple days later, we were down in Sunrise, Florida, and Evan Rodriguez said to me that he thinks these players enjoy this style of play because it is fast and it's in your face. And according to Rodriguez, that fits our personality. This is the way we like to play. It's not because it's being imposed on us. This is how we like to do things. If any coach came in here and tried to slow this process down, it wouldn't be the same. That's, that's what's going on here. That's what's been going on. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think you can count between Sid, Gino, and Tanger a total of four goals this season. Is that right? Sid with three, Tanger with one, and obviously Malkin not having played yet. And this team is where in the standings? How do you think that came to be? It's because they're having fun at something that might not appear to be fun to other teams and other players around the NHL. When we come back, just one question. Today's J1Q comes from Alex, who asks, is there a real possibility that we might see Brian Rust dealt at the trade deadline for assets or a player who's underachieving but still under contract after this season? Well, Alex, I'll get technical with you first here. For anybody who doesn't know this, there is a 
trade freeze over the holiday breaks. I know that's not what you were asking, but I'm throwing it in there parenthetically. Do I think that Rust could be traded? I would not put that one real high on the list. Uh, Brian Rust can do a lot of different things for you. Brian Rust is an effective and proven playoff performer, which is one of those things that matter. You don't want to go into a playoff subtracting people who have succeeded for you in that environment previously. That's an intangible, yes, but it's a critical intangible. And we've seen in the past that it comes with very real precedent. I'm going to throw out an example here for you. Let's say that you have deemed Rust to be expendable because Kasperi Kapanen is more valuable because he's a slightly, slightly, just a wee bit faster skater and because he's got all this visible talent and everything else here. Well, you're still entering the playoffs with a player who's never done anything in them, and you don't have to look that up. All you have to know is that he played for the Maple Leafs. So he couldn't have done anything in the playoffs because no one's done anything in the playoffs for the Maple Leafs since 1967. So do you favor Kapanen over Rust because... Do you see where I'm going here? I can tell you, without having to guess, that Ron Hextall's mindset for this season... And it is one and the same with Brian Burke's mindset is that they are in it to win it. They're not going to be shipping out draft picks, at least not without great reluctance. They're not Jim Rutherford. Um, they're not going to be going out and getting, you know, thugs or whatever, some of the uh, less popular moves that Rutherford made here either. But they would be looking for a reinforcement at a position where it's needed. Case in point is the ultimate one, and that's the Carter trade, which was fantastic. Sure, it involved a draft pick. But Carter came along and was the team's very best player at any position for the remainder of the regular season and in the series against the Islanders. And he's back again at a very affordable rate since the Kings are still paying half his salary. That is a very, very good hockey trade. That is the kind of trade that you can expect Hextall to make. Now, at what position will he make it? That's where I'd be looking more so than do you think they'll move Brian Rust. At what position? I keep looking at right-handed defense. Nobody wants to hear me talk about Cody Cece anymore, so... I won't mention that Cody Cece's spot has really still not been technically filled. It's been nice to see what Chad Ruedel's done, but if there's a spot that you can either upgrade or add meaningful depth to with respect to Ruedel, I would think that would be the first spot you'd look for. But where else? You know, another goaltender? I guess. I mean, Casey DeSmith's kind of climbing back. You'd want to give him a chance. You'd have every reason to give him a chance. What else? What else? What else you got? Look at the forwards. They're about to have five lines. This team is about to have five NHL lines. 
And you don't just say, well, I'm going to trade this guy because we have too many players. You don't do that. You're looking to address needs. I referenced Hextall and Burke, and when I said I'm not guessing, I'm not. I've spoken with both of them at length, one-on-one, in person, on road trips. And I know what they're thinking. Not just this year, but the year after that, and however long Sidney Patrick Crosby puts on 87 in the city of Pittsburgh. They're looking to win championships. They understand they have constraints. They understand also that they have an obligation to the future. You can't just... Nah, maybe this isn't the word I wanted to use. I was about to say bankrupt the franchise. That, that actually means something in this franchise's past twice. But you can't just get rid of all your picks, and then the day Sid is gone, you're sitting there in the cellar like the Red Wings for six or seven years. Can't do that. Can't do that. You would really damage uh, the brand locally and everywhere else. There is a mix to be had. There is a reasonable balance to be struck. And I would look toward how they did that over the past year uh, a lot more than any other precedents that we might be thinking of, particularly those related to Rutherford, who was way, way, way more impulsive than this. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. I mean that. I want to extend to everyone, uh, from my family to yours, from our broader family at DK Pittsburgh Sports, to you, a Merry Christmas, a joyful and safe holiday, and we will be back Monday to talk about a hockey game in Boston that I'm really hoping takes place. Merry Christmas, you guys.